Greetings, everyone. This is Giselle, and um, it is Thursday, October 26th. And I have not done a podcast in a while because I've been sick. Um, and unfortunately, when I catch just the normal everyday cold, it affects my throat. I get laryngitis or I start coughing if I'm talking too much. So that's why I haven't posted a podcast for a while. But I'm feeling a lot better and I'm hoping I can get through these because I've got three blog, um, three blog posts ahead of the podcast. So I wanted to get these recorded and get these out to you. So we're, um, this is uh, uh, part two of my series on world religions. And this is um, a Greco-Roman gods. Um, horrific Christian persecution and Constantine's rescue. So my last World Religions uh, podcast, um, I uncovered the history of paganism as told in the Bible. And you can read the book of Acts to learn what happened after Jesus's resurrection and how the way, which was how what Christianity was called before it was called Christianity, how it spread throughout the Roman Empire. Now, at first, the followers of Jesus experienced persecution from fellow Jews. However, as Paul's ministry took him further into the Gentiles in the Roman Empire, he encountered the, their religion of the believing of the Greek gods and the Roman gods. Um, personally, I was fascinated. I've been fascinated with Christian church history, um, a history buff. And I wrote a novel set in the first century Italy. So hence I had to do a lot of research on Roman mythology, which led me to Greek mythology and their similarities. But before I get into that, let me explain a dilemma I had. My problem was how to get my born again Christian male lead character to explain the difference between believing in one true God to a Roman girl who believed in the pantheon of gods. In reading the book of Acts, I came across the Apostle Paul's encounter with the Greeks in Athens. Uh, and there it was. Um, let me set the story. In Thessalonica, uh, Paul, Timothy, and Silas um, were attacked by jealous Jews, and they escaped to Berea. The jealous Jews heard they were there, and the Bereans sent Paul ahead to Athens while Silas and Timothy waited in Berea. And we pick up the story in Acts 17 um, chapter, I mean, Acts chapter 17, verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. He spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others says, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come, tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. Um, it should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, 
I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives breath, gives life and breath to everything. He satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold, silver, or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere, let me say that again, everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him, for he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them, but some joined him and became believers. Among them was um, Dionysus, a member of the council and a woman named Damaris and others with them. That was Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 34. Okay, so if you want to click on over to my blog, and the link is in the show notes, I have a table of some of the major Greek gods, um, the their Roman counterpart, and what they are a god of. And the Romans basically copied the Greek gods and just renamed them. For instance, Zeus, and um, in Greek, uh, Jupiter in um, Rome, and he was the king of the gods. Then Poseidon is, um, and Neptune, Poseidon for the Greeks and uh, Neptune for the Romans, was the god of the oceans and mariners. Then we have Cronus, so Greek god, and Roman is Saturn, and he is the god of the sun. Um, for the Greeks, we have Aphrodite. Um, her, the Roman version is Venus, and she is the goddess of love. Then we have Ares for the Greeks, Mars for the Romans, and he is the god of war. We have Hermes um, for uh, the Greeks, Mercury for the Romans, and he is the messenger of the gods. Um, and we have, um, and I'm going to say this wrong because it's the Greek name, um, um, the Hephaestus. In uh, the Greek, Roman, easy, Vulcan, and he is the god of fire. Um, Dionysus is the Greek, and Bacchus is the Roman, and he is the god of wine and partying. So many gods, and this is just the, the some of the main ones. Then there's, a, I mean, there's a god for everything, basically every natural phenomenon. Okay.
Well, the objective of having so many gods was to explain natural phenomena. There was a god for everything and a temple and a festival for every god. Ironically, the day Vesuvius erupted was, um, this was in 69 AD. It was the festival of Vulcanalia in honor of the Roman god Vulcan, the god of fire. No, Spock's planet had nothing to do with it. That's a Star Trek joke, Vulcan. During the festival, participants would build a huge bonfire and throw fish into it in gratitude for a year without wildfires that would devastate crops and hope for another fire-free season. They also drank a lot of wine. It was a reason to party. When Vesuvius erupted in August of 69 AD, I bet they wondered if they had not sacrificed enough for what they could have possibly done to anger Vulcan. Pompeii is a wine-growing region with rich volcanic soil. Hence, Bacchus, the god of wine, partying and debauchery, was their patron god. Um, patron gods are patron saints. So all this reminded me of the patron saints of the Roman Catholic religion. Now, I was born in Puerto Rico, raised in New York, then moved back to Puerto Rico after college, where I lived there for eight years. In Puerto Rico, each city, town, and village has a patron saint. Subsequently, each saint has a feast day. Consequently, it gave the people of each town another reason to party. In the mid-1980s, I toured Italy and stayed in Naples for a few days. And the people of Naples live in the shadow of Vesuvius, which hasn't erupted since the 1940s. In a Catholic church in Naples, there is a relic. Um, and I have an article of the um, Catholic paganism. So a relic is... Um, uh, like a, it could be a bone fragment, a skull, blood, um, uh, something of supposed, a supposed saint and a church has possession of it and people come and kiss it and light candles to it and worship it. In this case, it's a vial filled with the supposed blood of a saint. It is said that the saint protects Naples from an eruption, Vesuvius. Every year on the saints' feast day, they carefully bring out the vial and parade it through the streets of Naples with hundreds joining in the procession. Um, and um, I also have a picture in my blog, which I ended up using in um, on the cover of my uh, the back cover of my novel, and it's a fresco from a house in Pompeii, and um, it depicts um, uh, Bacchus, the god of wine. Uh, uh, you know, covered with like a great uh, bunch of grapes, Vesuvius in the in the background, um, and then there's a serpent in there, which I thought that was interesting. Um, and but um, one thing we have to remember, um, especially if you come from a Catholic background, that all these saints were human. Jesus is the only one who came from God. Everyone else is just human. Okay, so um, more Roman gods. Then we have what's called the imperial cult. So besides the pantheon of gods, the Romans borrowed from the Greeks, all emperors were also considered divine. Hence, they were to be worshipped, living or dead. And that's known as the imperial cult. All Roman citizens were required to burn incense in honor of Caesar. If a Christian refused, they were tortured and killed. In other words, if a person would not renounce or deny Jesus Christ, they were murdered. 
yes, similar to what Islamic terrorists do today. And we'll get into Islam in the future. In fact, that's the, what the article I'm working on right now. So it should be available in a couple of days, hopefully. Uh, God willing. <laughs> As the Christian church grew, true followers of Jesus Christ, they encountered increased resistance and persecution from the Romans. And it all started with Nero. And I have a video um, from Truth Unedited, and it tells the story of Nero's persecution of the Christians. Um, so basically in 62 AD, so that's right after the Book of Acts, and the Book of Acts ends with Paul basically le um, leaving for Rome, and that's where it ends. So we have to, um, if you're going to do research to what happened to Paul after the Book of Acts, you have to go into extra biblical historical writings like from Josephus and other um, and other write, and other Roman writers. So, um, but basically both Paul and Peter were both martyred by Nero in Rome. Now Nero burned Rome and blamed the Christians. And in 70 AD, the Jewish temple, along with all of Jerusalem, was destroyed, fulfilling the prophecy that Jesus foretold in the Olivet Discourse found in Mark 13, Luke 21, and Matthew 24. And I have links in my blog to those studies if you want to learn more about that. And something interesting, which I don't have it in my blog because it just came out in the news in this past week, the Vatican apparently has the treasures that were stolen from the Jewish temple by um, Titus, Titus, yes, in 70 AD, they've kept them, they've got them in the Vatican and now they want to return them to Israel. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, strange things going on. <clears throat> Okay, and then I've got another video, the pagans versus the Christians. Um, I like um, this guy, uh, Truth Unedited, because he, he explains this stuff and he does really good videos, some animations in there, and it really explains it so that it makes sense. Now, I don't totally agree with everything he publishes, but um, for the for the for the most part, it's it's pretty it's pretty good on, on the history of Christianity. So <clears throat> after 70 AD, uh, the Jews were scattered after the war with the Romans in Judah. Um, so that was actually, I think, 130, uh, 135 AD was the final Jewish revolt. Emperor Hadrian renamed Judah as Syria-Palestina, and eventually it became Palestine until 1948 when Israel became a nation. Um, and um, a lot of that's being discussed right now with what's going on in Israel. And I recommend, um, uh, well, as soon as I get my, my, my blog post done on Islam, we'll have more information on that. But uh, follow Amir Sarfati on Telegram. I have the link um, uh, in my blog. And he's got the latest. He is in Israel, and he's reporting basically everything that's going on over there right now. At any rate, Christians were separate from the Jews. However, it wasn't until later that the Roman Catholic Church started the false doctrine of replacement theology. Now, I've done a whole article, deep dive on that. You can click on over to my blog and, and check that out. That claims that the Old Testament is redundant and the church replaces Israel, and that is a lie. Okay, Christian persecution begins. Since Christianity preached 
of a one true God, the truth, many pagans stopped worshiping at the temples. Sacrifices as well as contributions went down, therefore the Romans felt threatened. So um, um, uh, I have this excerpt from the Voice of the Martyrs app, um, which um, uh, I highly recommend that it's a free app that you could get and every day they have um, they tell different stories of past Christian persecution, and they also have um, a, a persecuted uh, church or person of the day that you can pray for. Um, and um, and you'll, you'll see that the majority of the Christian persecution that happens right now is in Muslim countries. And the second one would be India, which is a Hindu country, and then China, which is Buddhist. So, and we're gonna, and like I said, I'm gonna dig into all those religions now too. Um, so you understand what they believe in and why they hate Jews and Christians. So um, this is, I'm quoting from the Voice of the Martyrs app. The great persecution began in Rome in AD 303 under Diocletian, Emperor Diocletian. This was a time period when Diocletian published official edicts against Christianity in an effort to destroy the faith. Among the detailed rulings were the following orders. Christians holding public office were to be put out of office. All accusations against Christians were to be welcomed and received. Christians were to be tortured for their faith. Scriptures were to be confiscated and burned immediately. Church buildings were to be destroyed. A Christian's civil rights were to be forcefully denied and presidents, bishops, and leaders of churches were to be arrested in order to sacrifice to the gods. Okay, that's just, that's just a little taste of what they were doing. And um, uh, one of the early church fathers, Eusebius, uh, documented the persecution. And I have a link where you can dig more on that. But here comes Emperor Constantine to the rescue. So now I've covered how Constantine and his attempts to attack pagan Romans to Christianity introduced pagan rites, rituals, dress, beads, decorations, etc., to the church. Um, and he Romanized the church. And I have a link to that article in my blog. But he also, while he was doing this, he gave Satan a foothold. And remember this, excuse me, remember what happens when you give Satan a foothold it becomes a stronghold. And I have another video from uh, Truth Unedited on Constantine, Christian, uh, pagan, or both. And here's some, just some important, important points of um, Constant, how Constantine came and changed everything. So the Edict of Milan was not a conversion of Romans to Christianity. Okay. Um, uh, it was about tolerance, giving Christians freedom to practice their religion without persecution. Most importantly, you cannot become a Christian by edict or by conquering for that matter. You become a Christian by accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior after repenting of your sins. An edict cannot do that for you, just like sitting in a church won't save you. It was the first marriage of church and state, and it stayed that way until the Protestant Reformation. The word Catholic means universal. It was a compromise. Pagan beliefs were given Christian identities. 
The pure church of the New Testament was polluted with paganism and idolatry. Unfortunately, it stayed that way. Constantine was never really a Christian, or was he? He waited until he was on his deathbed to be baptized in 337 AD. Yet he didn't understand the gospel. All he wanted to do was unite the Roman Empire, which nonetheless fell in 476. Not by being conquered, but by imploding from within. Was const and so Constantine had a vision, the sign of a cross, you can see uh, depicted in the video, or sometimes called a Cairo. So was Constantine's vision of the sign of the cross really from God or from Satan? We really don't know. But if I remember, I'll ask Jesus when I see him, I'll look for Constantine up in heaven too. If, he's, if he was born again, he'll be up there. Furthermore, as the Roman Catholic Church spread throughout Europe, it encountered many other pagan religions. Instead of truly converting them by spreading their true gospel, it contaminated and adulterated Christianity with evil demonic practices. And I'll get into that in the next podcast, which is the Druids, Wicca, and the Occult. <clears throat> Jesus wrote, I mean, James wrote, I'm sorry, James wrote in James 4, starting in verse seven. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinner, purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Peter wrote, um, uh, second Peter, um, second, oh, I'm missing the, the first, the second in the blog. I'm sorry about that. I think it's first Peter one. Um, um, yep. Those numbers are messed up. Okay. So, uh, but Peter wrote, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Well, that's correct in the blog. Paul wrote, um, Ephesians six, 12 to 13, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So how firm is your faith? So if you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit, feel his shalom. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding and get a one-way nonstop ticket to heaven after you die or that you won't be left behind at the rapture, which can happen in any moment. What you have to do is invite Jesus into your heart, receive the gift of grace and confident hope of eternal life. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. There's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to know Jesus. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. If you're just starting to read the Bible and prefer to hold a book in your hands rather than use an app, it's a good idea to get a study Bible. But which version or translation is best? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain, everyday English. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the these and the thousands, stopped reading it, totally defeating the purpose. 
eventually I got the new international version and that was great for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today, I also study from the New Living Translation. I'm an affiliate of Christian Book Distributors and I've chosen two study Bibles that would be great for the new Christian believer. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.